Hey, welcome back to Bible Line. I'm your host, Pastor Jesse Martinez. And in today's video, we're continuing our verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of Galatians called No Other Gospel. And today, we're specifically looking at Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. This is part 15, and we've titled this video, Reaping and Sowing. It's so important to understand these verses because they really help us understand how we can have victory in our Christian lives. And also the importance of walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. I hope this is going to be a blessing to you. Make sure that you take notes because there's a lot of good stuff in the video today. If you have not yet heard all of the other videos in this series, you can check out the YouTube playlist called No Other Gospel. Make sure that you like, comment, and share this video so other people are introduced to the content. And if you're new here or you've been here for a while and you haven't subbed yet, make sure you hit the subscription button and the notification bell to stay in the loop. It's always my prayer that these videos are a blessing to you. Enjoy. We're going to go ahead and get into our message. If you take your Bibles and go to Galatians chapter 6. Um, I hope as you've gone through the study, you can see more of the teaching style that I, I try to present uh, because my intent here is not to speak uh, mysteriously or in ways that are hard to understand. You know, when I started, I started this series because Galatians started coming under attack um, in the communities that, not that we frequent, but in the communities online. I don't know how many of you have heard of this phrase, Galatian error. The first time I ever heard of it, it was wrong. <laughs> the description of the Galatian error was wrong. And I was listening to it and I was like, I have never, ever heard this view before. And it was basically like, okay, you're, we're saved by grace, right? We enter into a relationship with God by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Now there is no, there, there is nothing else that we need to do in order to be correct with God. And they take that, so they take that outside of our justification. You know, again, being justified means we're declared righteous in the eyes of God the moment that we put our faith in Jesus. We're done. Romans chapter 5 says we have peace with God. That's it. But they totally explain away the Christian life by saying you just have to keep repeating to yourself that basically like you're a child of God, you've been delivered, you're a child of God, you've been delivered, and you don't have to do any works, none, in order to receive blessings from God. So it becomes like you're just kind of tossed around. I want to say to and fro, but then Ephesians tells us they're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That's exactly what's happening here. This is the new thing that's coming along. So they'll look at what you're doing tonight, coming to church, or when you soul win, when you go and talk to somebody about the gospel, when you decide to abstain from sin because it's wrong and adhere to righteousness because God will bless that, they'll call you a legalist. The ones who want to grow in Christian maturity, you're actually an enemy of the cross now. You are, you're, you're a wolf in sheep's clothing I've never heard of this before. Never, ever. And all of a sudden, this just blew up on the, um, Dr. Arnold's page and Tom Kakuza, and, and they hit our page a couple of times. What I mean by page, our, our YouTube channel. You know, If you've ever opened up a YouTube video and you look at the comments, it's endless. Everybody's got an idea and someone wants to comment about something. It's insane. Um, that's one of the things we like to promote on our channel is ask us a question, you know, get these things across. 
But I saw this whole new thing about Galatian error, and I thought, that's really dangerous. Because they'll take verses like Galatians chapter 3, and they'll say, you know, you started, excuse me, in the Spirit. How are you now uh, justified by the flesh? And you and I understand that. I think anyone who does a normal read of the Scripture understands that you're, you're saved by grace. How are you now saved by works? Because the context lays it out. Judaizers came in to the, Galatian, uh, to the Galatia region, and they deceived all these churches that Paul had done a lot of hard work in. And Paul says very clearly in chapter 1, if there's any other gospel outside than what's been delivered to me, it's an anathema. It's a curse. I'll say it again. It's a perverted gospel. It needs to be marked, and it needs to be avoided. He's very clear. Then we saw, you go through the rest of chapter 1, he verifies what he had learned from Jesus Christ himself, he didn't study under the apostles. He didn't study under any other teacher. He got these from direct revelation of Jesus Christ. He then tells you how he was in proper fellowship with the church in Jerusalem because lo and behold, people were beginning to think that what Paul taught and what James taught in the church of Jerusalem were different, but they actually had the right hand of fellowship. They understood the, the, the gospel perfectly. There was a different stress in Jerusalem. There's something that they stressed differently, not to be saved, but as a part of the ministry was to take care of the poor. And that was seen in Acts chapter 15. And so there was no different gospel going on, but all of a sudden these teachers came in and they were saying, no, you got to be keeping the law. You have to be physically circumcised. You have to uh, be grafted into the promise by learning the law. So they would take Gentiles that knew nothing of the law or very little, and they'd put a yoke of bondage upon them and get them back under the law so that the people that they went to try and win they were teaching works first. Okay, that's the Galatian error. But there was all this stuff that came out about if you tell somebody to go to church or you tell somebody to abstain from sin, you're putting a yoke of bondage on them. To me, that screams baby Christian. It just screams baby Christian. They're, they don't yet understand the deeper things of God. And it's not really even the deeper things of God. It's just basic Walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, okay? Are there things that we can go and do that will satisfy our flesh? Yes, absolutely. You're supposed to avoid those. You're supposed to stay away from those things. It hinders your walk. And so that's why we did this, this whole series. I wanted to go verse by verse through the book so you could see exactly the theme, the transitions, the different focuses about being grafted into the promise, how we're all a ch uh, a children of faith now because of what Jesus Christ did, how all are concluded under sin. And this last part in Galatians, a lot of people uh, are on a good consensus with what this, uh, this passage is teaching. And it's basically talking about where you invest your time and how you invest your time and who you invest your time in is going to produce of the same ground that it was put in. Very basic. You go out and get a banana tree, you plant it, it's going to bring forth bananas. You take uh, advantage of the soil, of the fertilizer, of how frequently you water it. You'll have a better crop than somebody who just does the bare minimum or doesn't do anything at all. The tree just dies. And so when we look in this passage here, Paul is he's starting to wrap up the book and he, he's basically saying, where you spend your time and what you spend your time in is, is what you're going to yield. This is a very important uh, lesson for you and I today because we all have time. I know we feel like we don't have time. You know what I'm saying? It feels like we're always running from one thing to the next. 
But let me just encourage you, you have a wonderful opportunity of investing your time. We still live in a country where you can really go into any kind of career path. Unfortunately, a lot of it comes with massive debt, but you can explore all these different options. For the longest time, um, we were only taking uh, donations here at Calvary through one merchant that was charging us about 6% for every credit card that was going through. And we changed over to PayPal, and that was a great thing because the percentages went down, but it was also kind of scary when everything was happening in 2020. I don't know if you guys remember this, but PayPal works with a company called Stripe, and Stripe is huge. I bet you if you go to like a major website, uh, not, not like a major um, like Target or Walmart, but some of the smaller businesses that have a, a big reach online, they use Stripe. And some missionaries, because they did not align with some views that the company held, they got their whole funding pulled. And I don't mean they just turned it off. They destroyed it because PayPal owned the land, so to speak. Not a big fan of uh, Parler, that social media app, but some pretty scary things happened with them. They had all of their stuff. I mean, it, it was like, okay, here's Calvary, right? And all of a sudden, the government comes in and says, the land that this is on is no longer yours. We're pulling your rights from it. And they proved documentation, and they had everything they could do it. And they, they, they would tell us, you have 48 hours to move the building off the property or we're going to knock it down. That's what happened with Parler. Because Parler did not agree with Amazon's political views. They nullified the contract on the, on the TOS, the terms of service. The, the whole lights got, the lights got shut off and the building was demolished in one day. It was gone. And they're still trying to recover from that. That was scary. David and I had a meeting that week, and, and we said, Florida Bible College is on Amazon Web Service. Our website is built off of the Amazon Web Services toolkit. What are we going to do if all of a sudden enough people report us for hate speech because we're teaching the Bible, and we go dark on the Internet? There's no way for people to even hear about us unless they come in. What would we do? So we had a massive rehaul of all of that equipment. And it was important for us to understand that the time that we would in invest in what we're doing here, we want to spend it well. And so you have to have silly meetings like that. I think maybe if, if many of you were a part of those meetings, you would go, man, I don't understand what's being said here. I don't, I don't know what's going on. That's okay. Neither did I. I had to learn. But it was important to learn because we are trying to maintain the gospel getting out. I know God's going to do what he's going to do with the gospel. But I want this ministry to be used as a mouthpiece to get it out there. And it's important for you to recognize, too, are you spending your time in the right things? Are you investing in the right things? If you had $100,000 when Bitcoin was like 20 cents, it would have been a wise investment to pick up all that money. Even now, when I don't, I don't know what it's at now, but uh, there was one point where that thing was rocking like 60 k a coin. I don't know if you ever saw that story of the guy that traded away 20 Bitcoins for two pizzas in Australia when Bitcoin was like cheap, cheap, cheap. <laughs> Those two pizzas are gone, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but what if, you know, if you had $100,000 to invest, right? You would want to do that wisely. You'd want to pick stocks that were going to give you a good return. You maybe, maybe want to put it in gold and silver. Uh, maybe you want to invest it into real estate. There's so many different opinions out there, but can you invest your money poorly? Uh, say it with me. Yes, you can. You can totally invest your money poorly, and people are doing that all the time. So the difference here is that we're investing this very small amount of time, let's just say 75 years, 
75, 80 years that we have. And if you take off, uh, you know, 20 years because you're growing up and all these different things, let's just call it an even 50 or 60. You have that much time to invest in eternal things. And grace should inform your investments. Because you are saved by grace, and you are kept saved by grace, and you grow in grace, you should invest yourself along those lines as well. And God is the one who will give the increase. Look what's happening with the housing market right now. That, that market is getting more and more inflated as, as less properties are available. My dad's house, he bought that house, it had to be for like 88000 or something like that. Like real cheap. And it's, I was talking to him the other day, it's north of 200 right now. But will there come a time when that property goes down in value? Absolutely. It's not like that with the Lord. There's not a stock market when it comes to eternal rewards. What you put in is going to be maintained there, and God will reward you accordingly. If you're here on Wednesday nights, we've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes, and we've been going through the first chapter, and where, where it's, it's very dreary, it's very sad, it's very, there's really no point um, to trying to avoid work. You're going to work all your life, and we have history, and people don't uh, adhere to the history, and so they repeat it, and there, there's nothing under the sun that is of any significance. Boy, that's exciting. We're all ready to go and have a big happy party after that. However, from the New Testament teachings of Jesus Christ, you have eternal rewards. Remember his instructions in Matthew 6? Lay up treasures where thieves do not break in and steal, where moth do not corrupt. Okay, that's, a, that's, an, that's an unearthly principle. We don't understand that. We had storage for a while at a U-Haul place, and I put a couch in there that was steamed, nice, everything was good. As we were pulling that couch out, we put it in the dump right after. Because some kind of animal or something had taken multiple reliefs on some of the areas of the couch. I'm like, I know that that wasn't there. But we were guaranteed by U-Haul, oh, it's under monitored surveillance, you know, nothing's going to get in there. And guess what? A little rat found his way in there and did whatever. It's like there, there was a guarantee, but who can really keep the guarantee of things getting worse? You know, it's, it's always going to get worse. The money's always going to go away. The value's always going to slip away. But when we put away things for God, that's not going to diminish in value. It has eternal value. And that's a smart investor. And the, now the people will look at you and they'll say, do you really have to go to church every service? Do you really have to be involved in you know, this big back-to-school bash that we just did? Like, why not let somebody else do that? Like, you got to take time for you. You, know? like, you. you only live so long. Well, I would make the same argument. You only live so long. Why would you invest it in things that literally are going to be burned up? Now, that's a, that's a different kind of thinking. A lot of Christians are not there right now because there's a lot of me-first Christianity. I, I think you guys know what I'm talking about. It's just so prevalent. Even a lot of speakers now, I mean, very trendy, very you know, put together. They speak better than Bible teachers, and they look better than Bible teachers. They're more relevant. But when you actually listen to what they say, it's like you're grabbing at vapor. It's like you try to get to what they say, and it's like, I don't, I don't really know what you're saying. Because they're not saying anything at all. It's just basically do what you want, and we're here to give you a place to hang out. That's what the church is. And that's a mistake. And we understand that from what we see here in Galatians. So as we're wrapping up, I want you to see here, right there in verse number 7, 
Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 7. We're on page 1247 in our church loan Bible. Be not deceived. I have that circled because that's the first instruction for this passage. Be not deceived. The very basic point that you can pull from there is, there is deception among us. There are things that will compete for our attention and for our time. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So there's two things here, and then there's a, a principle that's given. I don't want to call this a law necessarily, but I'm also not opposed to it being defined that way. It's a principle. It's, it, that's exactly what the verse teaches. And there are two conditions that are put in front of it. But the, but the conclusion of verse 7 is, For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. What you put in and what you put into is what you're going to get out. If you invest in a false teacher, in a false gospel, you're going to reap just that. This, this is a very basic principle, but people act like it doesn't happen. You're going to live a life of sin and undisciplined Christianity. You're going to continually vex your new nature. You're going to walk in the flesh and do that. You will reap of those rewards. Period. That is something that we can guarantee. I, I heard Yankee describe it as someone else described it. A lot of Christians are sowing wild oats and praying for crop failure. And that's an, an interesting way to put it. A lot of Christians are out there living a life of wickedness and then asking the Lord to not give them the fruit of their labor. If you invest in sin, that's what you're going to produce. Now, God is merciful in that. That doesn't touch your salvation, but it certainly affects how you're able to impact other people. Our testimony is one of the most important things that we possess. Our, I don't want to say our reputation, but the way that people perceive us a lot of times is how they'll perceive Jesus. And it would be a shame on us to slander his name because we can't get it together or we act like this doesn't exist. So the first uh, modifier of that statement, so to speak, is be not deceived. Meaning you can be deceived as to what you're putting your time in. I can't tell you how many times. I've only been pastoring here for a year and six months, seven months. I can't tell you how many times people would say, I went to this ministry or that church or I listened to this person and it just, I just, it just didn't seem right. Things weren't going right. And they went there for a long time. And then they finally understood that I'm just wasting my time there. Many people in this area, I would say even many of you tonight, have come out of the religion of Catholicism. It abounds. They're meeting in church right now, down the road. And they're, they're more organized in the way that they do things than a lot of churches like ours. We have a, a, a lady who's been coming, um, Jacqueline and her two kids, Ian and Isabella. Okay, those two kids are something else. Love those kids. Ian was talking to one of the kids yesterday. Ian is, uh, I don't know how old he is, he's maybe seven or eight, I'm not sure. But he was talking to one of the kids at the back to school bash, and he was like, you should come every Sunday night. We have a wana. 
at, I don't know, 6.30. Maybe you could come, you know, like just talking to the kids about how much they love the programs here and stuff. I, I love that. But uh, their mom got a letter from a Jehovah's Witness, a handwritten letter with her first and last name on it. And it was sincere. And it was an attempt to convert them to Jehovah's Witness. And they're, they're out there trying to get the work done for their ministry. And sadly, there's a lot of Christians that are, you know, pie in the sky, head in the clouds, like not doing anything to try and reach and convert people to the true gospel. Why is that? Because we're deceived. We're distracted. We think there's more important things to do. There's a song that we sing in our book, Better Things to Do. Oh, I, I cannot find a poor excuse for not serving the one who died for me. Interesting. The second modifier there is that God is not mocked. If you think we can run around, oh, the, no lights are on, eh, no one else knows except me. God's not mocked. There's a different way that this is put in Colossians. It says to serve the Lord with a pure heart, not with only lip service. There's another place, too, where it says eye service. What that means is not just with flattering words or the appearance of righteousness. I'm not saying righteousness as, uh, in a salvific sense. I'm saying righteousness in a way that we are walking with the Lord. I heard it described this way before, and it really stuck with me. It's like putting on church shoes, right? It's like you have your, your worldly shoes all week, and then when you come to Sunday, you get the pleated pants, the pressed shirt with the starched collar, and the church shoes come on, and you walk in, and they're like, there's a man of God. You know what I'm saying? But the whole week, you're living in sin. God, there's a lot of churches like that. They walk in with their chest so big, their head so inflated, the doorways are 80 feet long. <laughs> it's like cause they can't get in otherwise. Just lift it up with pride. And you know the character of your heart. You know what you really are. You're living in sin. But boy, how many people can you pull the strings on? And then the statement here is, God's not mocked. The first statement there, be not deceived, that's what man does to one another. But God is not mocked, you can't deceive him. He's not going to go, oh, I had no idea. No, he knows. He knows the thoughts and intent of the heart. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Now, pause for a moment here. Contextually speaking, this is not about the Christian who sows to their flesh. This is comparing Judaizing salvation by works and eternal life by Jesus Christ. The lost man who sows into their flesh by, I don't know, let's, let's think, of, think of some things people would say are qualifiers to get to heaven. All right, one, one that I hear all the time, I got to be good. No one can define that. Oh, Jesus did. <laughs> There's none good. No, not one, right? They say, um, I have to go to church or I got baptized. Big one in this area. Especially people look at their, the, uh, it's not their catechism, maybe it is their catechism, I'm not sure, but when the uh, confirmation, they go through and they get approved by the Catholic Church, well, that's the day that I was baptized into the body of Christ. Which is interesting, if you go to a christening of a baby, the priest will say, this water seals this child. And I, I just, I'm not even trying to be comical, but what changed between the sealing of the water and now they're old enough 
I guess it would be the doctrine of original sin, that now once they've done something, it's now been put on them. Maybe that's what it is, I'm not sure. But we're not talking about here Christian growth. He's, again, bringing it back into, you sow to the flesh for eternal life. You're not going to root, uh, uh, reap eternal life. You're sowing to the flesh. All the worldly religions and traditions and all the things that you put into that, all you're going to get is corruption. It's, it's all going to be gone. All the, everything will be stripped away, and it will be revealed for what it is. Sin, flesh nature, it'll be condemned. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. If you place your faith in Jesus, you're going to reap eternal life. That's a guarantee. That's not a work because it says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 5, but to him that worketh not. So there's two conflicting, or there's two statements out there that do not jive with one another, but people are trying to make it so. Oh, well, you believe grace, and I'll believe works, and we're all going to get to the same place. No, we're not. I'll be at the great white throne judgment, but I'm not going to be judged there. I would hate for someone that I know to be there in judgment, because if they are at the great white throne judgment, they didn't make it. They're, they're about to be condemned and eternally separated. What a horrible, horrible position to be in. And this is why I remember I did a Bible study at uh, high school one time. I did it two times, and the reason why I did is because the second time I just got met with so much hostility. It made no sense to me, okay? Wasn't the best kid in high school. I was pretty much like every other teenager out there learning how to use new language. I think you can understand what I mean by that. Just being silly, and it was cool not to go to class and not try, and that's just what everything was. And so I got you know, sucked into that culture, so to speak. But my junior year, I had gone to camp, and, you know, it was like the fourth time I had went, but I really, it just like clicked with me, you know, like I just wanted to serve the Lord. And so I thought, I can bring my Bible. I know what I've been taught. I can at least just teach Ephesians 2, 8, 9, John 3, 16, and 1 John 5, 13, and I can start winning my classmates to Christ. So I did that. I had gone to camp at the end of, we usually went the end of July, and so school started in August, and the first day I, I brought my Bible, and I, I had it in my hand, like I was really proud to have it, and then the more kids started getting in the hallway, I put it in my backpack, because I was just ashamed. I'm, I'm so sad to say that, but that's the culture that I was in. And then lunchtime came around, and I got probably six of my friends, they were all in the brass section, and we, I just said, you know, I learned this this summer, and I want to share this with you, and went through it. Well, everything went really well, and it was like really well received. One of my friends there was, you guessed it, a Catholic. He had just been to Mass the, the day before. And I said very clearly, you know, like, going to Mass doesn't save you. And at the time, it was fresh on my mind, something that Dr. Lindstrom had taught um, about Jesus still being on the cross in the Catholic Church, and how that was ironic that it was like that because the whole process of confession is literally for your sins to be paid again. <laughs> so it's like you go to the confessional booth to have your sins paid for when Jesus paid for how many of them? All of them. The cross is gone. He's not on it. He's risen. Amen? But that's not the doctrine there. So I had said that. 
I had said like, gone through that at a, on a very high level. And the next day I came back and my friend was like livid at me. He was just so mad that I would teach against what he believed. And I met that intensity and just totally crumpled. But I didn't understand how I was like, why would you be upset about something that literally frees you from duty to get to heaven? It frees you from a trap. The reason why is because no one's at home. They're just totally out. The light is off. The blinders are on. They're deceived. That friend, if, he can, if he's continuing in that belief, he's sowing to his flesh. It's going to reap corruption. I'm sowing to eternal life. Now, I've, already made, I've already got it. But now I can actually build into it. And that's an important thing for us to understand because if we walk throughout our lives and think that there is no significance in Christian discipline, we're deceiving ourselves and we're mocking God. I don't want to be in that position. I don't want you to be in that position. So there is also here an application. I don't want you to be alarmed that I said you can't use this as, as, as a, a Christian life expression. That's not what I believe. This can absolutely be applied to our Christian life. But I think contextually, just in the theme of this chapter, talking to brothers and sisters in Christ, going into this corruptible, incorruptible discussion, I think he's still talking about salvation by works and salvation by grace. Because that was the main issue of the day. The main issue of what he was writing. Then verse 9 is there, and this is very encouraging. It was either the titles Reaping and Sowing, or it was Be Not Weary and Well-Doing. So I went with Reaping and Sowing. But this last verse is supposed to be the, 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 the cup of cold water as you're running the race. This is the, the bench that you can take a seat on and get recovered before you go out and continue the race. And let us not be weary in well-doing. Don't give up. There are so many churches that are closing their door every single year. Don't give up. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Not talking about reaping into eternal life as far as our position with salvation, but we can reap more rewards, more souls for Christ but we have to keep going. we got to keep going. And guys, do you feel the pressure? You feel the pressure of the world right now? Many of us are blessed that the places that we work are not strict on the things that we say and do outside of church. Let me tell you something really scary I heard the other day. You ready for this? We're about to close, but I was watching a video had some sort of title that I, I don't remember. It wasn't catchy, but it was 50 seconds. And it was a world leader at a world convention. He happens to be a doctor. And he was talking about new technology that would come with medication. You ever Google how uh, your pills are made and stuff like that? It's pretty interesting, but it's basically just two pieces of dissolvable material and then there's some solution in there. And you take it and your stomach acid burns off the coating and then the medicine goes in and 
It'll tackle one thing, but it'll create another problem. <laughs> That's why you have a ton of different medications. But they're saying they have the ability, get this, they have the ability to place a tracker that is biodegradable into this medication so they can know if you're taking your medication or not. So you can take an aspirin and they can know how many you took and when you took it. Well, Jesse, why is that scary? That is an infringement of my privacy. Can I just be like really clear with that? I know you told... I'll give you an example too. I've had a problem with my knee recently. I don't know what it is. might be a tear, something like that. It's good one month and it's bad the next month. And I can play a whole golf game and everything's fine, but I get up to like walk to the refrigerator or something and it could buckle. It just buckled today in my office. It was so weird. So I went to my doctor and she prescribed to me some type of cream that as soon as I Googled it, so many things about it causing cancer and irritation. There is somebody just recently that I know, Jan had used something similar to this and he broke out in it. And it's basically like pain reliever in a liquid form. I'm going, why was this not disclosed to me? There's just so many things out there that can cause us to be like taken, just taken out and our freedom's totally gone. And isn't it easier to see that the, uh, the system of the mark of the beast could be implemented like that? I would venture to say almost everyone has one of these. And you know these have individual numbers on the boards and stuff? They all look the same, but they talk to anybody that, that knows tech. These things are, are unique identifiers. You remember when COVID was happening and you can install an app where you could be notified of other people's medical privacy? <laughs> Crazy stuff. My point here is it's getting worse. Your privacy is being infringed. Things are not getting better, okay? Don't let that stop you. Don't let that be a reason. Well, I can't go to church anymore because that's not politically correct. Okay, let's move past that. Let's stick to what the Lord says and do that, which is right in his eyes. He's going to reward you. The world's going to persecute you. They want to take your life. No, no, it's not that serious. Yeah, it is. Look at Australia and the vaccine requirements that have happened there. People are being put into individual housing. They're being taken out of their homes. Being, they, they lose their jobs because they don't want to make a choice that they are not ready to make. There was a, you, you can close your Bibles. I'm sure you saw that, that clip of the lady who came out on her porch in one of those little camps, and she was going to get fined $5,000 that day because she came out. She just wants to sit on a porch. She's, you know, hundreds of feet from other people. Guarantee you more than six feet. It was crazy, some of the stuff that's going on. And it's still happening. And it's not just because of a vaccine. It's not just because of this. Guys, all this is being tested. You listen to how these world leaders talk. Just recently they said, we need to have a whole reset of individual rights. We need to relook at uh, freedom of speech. Here it comes. Here it comes. If you don't get in line with the new world order, you're a problem. Just like the body has a disease, get it out. And they will take you out. What do we do in times like these? We have an anchor that holds steadfast and sure. They're not gonna, Jesus isn't going to come back and they're not going to be like, let's see your vaccine passport. That's not what they're going to say to him. 
No, this is a safe space. That's not going to go well. Every eye is going to see him. It's going to be very clear. And we can work, as we live in this life, we can work for him. It's a great opportunity. So when you look at the back-to-school bash yesterday, it wasn't just getting in a dunk tank for no reason. It wasn't just like Armando. God bless Armando. He was in the parking lot all day. And he was happy about it. He took a picture and put it on Facebook. That, God's not going to let that go unrewarded. And I was like, well, that was just parking. He was an important part. Trent came after, after working at FedEx. And just he came at, toward the end of the event because that's when the shift was. And he got a piece of cardboard and he put free school supplies and he went out there like this, you know. And three or four people turned around and came in. He'll be rewarded for that. Those of you who prayed, you'll be rewarded for that. Isn't it good to know that? I think so. Let's not get, oh, I'm tired. We're not doing this anymore. I'm done. That's, that's the voice of the devil. That's a deception. And, and learn how to be disciplined too. All right. I hope that's helped you tremendously. I enjoy that portion of Scripture. It's something I remind myself of often. Because, you know, numbers go up and down and, and things change, and that's just kind of where we are. But, man, we can, we can know that God is faithful. We're not working for some world group or organization. Let me explain the gospel. If you can look up here very briefly. I'm going to let this hand represent you and me and my wallet represent sin. I put this on top of my hand because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God, He loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from Him. In order to get to heaven, we have to be perfect, just like God. We have to be 100% righteous, and we all fall short. That's what sin is. The wages of sin is death. That's eternal separation from God forever in a place called hell. Remember I told you that God loves you. He doesn't want that to be your end. And he did something about that. But the world has already uh, offered deception. They say, well, if you go to church, if you read your Bible and pray, if you're honest and sincere and a good person, you, you're, you're a really good uh, philanthropist, you're a good uh, uh, human person, you know, everything's good, you'll get in. Your good will outweigh the bad. It'll be fine. That's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, it teaches the opposite. Salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. This hand will represent Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man. And this is the climax of human history on Calvary, when Jesus cried out, it is finished. It was one word in the, in the language of that day, and it was an accounting term, and it means paid in full, totalistai. And it was explained a while ago when Jesus sat in the garden with Nicodemus at the dead of night, because Nicodemus was ashamed to be seen with Jesus, God said through his son, the most recognizable verse in all the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Notice what happened there. For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus Christ, that whosoever, again, you and I bringing back to the subject, believeth in him. It's not by any kind of good works. It's not by maintaining something or making a promise that you have to keep. It's by a one-time, yes, I believe that what Jesus did on the cross was for me. The moment you do that, you are given the free gift of everlasting life. You have eternal, righteous justification, perfect standing with God. You're found in Him forever. Jesus later said in John 5, This shall never perish, neither shall they ever be brought into condemnation. They're passed from death unto life. Wow, what a guarantee. 
What a guarantee. And how do you receive this free gift? By simply believing on what Jesus Christ did. Now, as believers, we can grow from that truth. We learn how to study our Bibles. We learn how to discern truth from error and choose the truth. Choose the truth. We learn how to walk in our spirit and not in our flesh. And we grow into Christian maturity. And God prunes us back, and we grow back stronger. And we're able to support more people and bring more people to faith in Christ. That's how all this works until we get called out of here or until you stop breathing. Then that corruptible, this body, will be gone. You'll put on incorruption, and you'll be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. Isn't that a wonderful truth? It's all that we need to continue to be weary, or excuse me, to continue uh, to not be weary, to faint not, and continue on serving the Lord. Will you pray with me, please? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I ask no one looks around. If you're here tonight, and that, that made sense to you, you're like, you know what, I've heard this before, but it, I, I wasn't able to really put the pieces together about how I'm going to go to heaven. I was trusting in myself a little bit, in my church, uh, in my, my upbringing. Right now, the best you know how, will you Lay all that aside and look at the fact of the matter that Jesus Christ has offered you eternal life simply by putting your faith in Him. Will you do that right where you're sitting? If you did, I'd love to pray for you. Would you raise your hand and let me know? Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that this made sense. Heads are bowed and eyes are still closed. Are you spending your time wisely? Are you investing the time of, of, of your Short life here on earth. Are you investing it in spiritual things? I, I pray that you are. Or are you being deceived by the world? Are you trying to deceive God? I pray that you get that right. Confess it to the Lord. That means come to an agreement with Him and get on the path of righteousness. Not for eternal life, but for blessing. And for those of you who are faithful, don't get weary. Keep going. Support one another. Pray for one another. What we're doing is, is, is for souls. Somebody continued to reach you. Somebody didn't quit to reach you. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, that we can understand it tonight. Thank you for Galatians chapter 6. We pray for those who are caught up in a wrong doctrine. Pray that, they would be, that their error would be exposed to themselves and they would come to faith in Christ. Bless this meeting we have next uh, concerning Israel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed today's episode of Bible Line, make sure to subscribe to the channel and share this video with a friend. Do you have a Bible question? Send us an email, questions at BibleLineMinistries.org, and we'll do our best to get you an answer. Or you can leave your question in the comments of this video. Be sure to check the links in the description for more clear Bible teaching. Bible Line is a ministry of Calvary Community Church located in Tampa, Florida.